Hi guys, welcome back to my channel. As you will have known if you have watched what I do, I have a playlist regarding hoodoo. Now, I only cover the real basic things in that hoodoo playlist, so the idea is now I want to start bringing a little bit more of each craft. There is a book, it's my book, I wrote it. You are more than willing to access it for free. I don't do it for money, that's not the reason I do it. I do it because what we all learn in life is very different. Our paths in life are very different. The way we are taught things are very different. So please understand, this is from my personal path. This is from the way I was taught and is not fact. It is merely a way in which I know because I know there are lots of various ways out there and I am no expert. No one's an expert. We learn every day, you know. So I don't want you to think that's the case. It is not. However, I'm obviously 39 year old now and... I have been studying many ways from being very young. So I just want, I want to share. I just want to share the way in which I learnt. And please, like I say, this is not fact at all. We all have our own ways. We all have our own paths. Nothing is fact. I'm just sort of telling you the way that I was learnt. So the history of hoodoo, um, people have learnt it in many different ways, but let's get into how I was taught it, of course. Now, before I carry on, I must state, viewer discretion is advised. Some of this information, people may find that it offends them. They may find that it upsets them. I am sorry, please do not listen from now if you wish not to be offended, if you wish not to go any deeper into this, but viewer discretion is advised. There are some upsetting topics that will come up in here, but I feel it's important to put this out the way I learnt it, just in case someone else learnt it the same way or someone else wants to know the difference in various countries and stuff. I'm in the UK, obviously, so viewer discretion is advised. Some viewers may find some of these parts disturbing. Okay, so proceed with caution. Conjure is something done in hoodoo, but it comes from the English word conjurer. And that refers to the use of herbs and other ingredients for magical and medicinal purposes. Hoodoo is from South African folklore, is what I was taught anyway. The word itself, obviously hoodoo, we all know that word, but we, we know voodoo more, but the word hoodoo is used as a noun for naming the system of magic, magical practitioners, etc. Hoodoo trick is an adjective word used, and a verb word is hoodooed. Root workers are known to be called hoodoo doctors, or simply the hoodoo man, the hoodoo woman. This depends on the community and what they sort of initiate them to be called. Other communities use hoodoo as sort of another type of word um, for witchcraft, basically. 
and this is why I wanted to get into the hoodoo because it does lead, lead up into the more advanced witchcraft I'm wanting to do. Every community is very unique and different, so you can find many that will use the word hoodoo for just harmful magic alone or any magic that's beneficial, uh, spiritual work, you know, hoodoo is a community. It's a community of people and the way that they practice, it can vary from place to place, just like any other craft. The origin of the word hoodoo is actually not clear as we, we might think. Um, you can search back, but the actual origin is really unclear. It, there's speculation. Um, if we research it, it seems to appear in the 19th century, but possibly it will be earlier. But it was called something else. It was hidden. Um, the theory on that is that it was hidden in a way because it was brought in with Christianity and it was mixed up. So, you know, it, it probably was older, but it was just hidden. It was called something else. The theory that is widely known and accepted is that the word is African descent brought to the United States in the 17th and 18th centuries. West African spiritual traditions have contributed to the hoodoo traditions, it is believed. And there's a vast majority of people who do believe that slaves are the reason we have hoodoo and that they brought it with them. And after slavery was finally over with the African Americans, they moved north, taking the hoodoo traditions along with them. This is why I said it can get a little bit disturbing, guys. You know, it is sad, but we have to understand that this is the reason we have these beautiful things, you know. The tradition of hoodoo concentrates on personal magical power. It's not specific to any forms of theology, so it can be adapted around your own personal beliefs. Hoodoo focuses on tapping into the supernatural forces that are all around us, enabling us to improve our life by gaining aid, power, you know, luck, money, love, career, divination, revenge, health, employment, personal development in life. You know, magical practices in hoodoo, they sort of involve herbs, oils, crystals, minerals, bodily fluids, candles, just as they do in other things. But in hoodoo, contacting ancestors is extremely important. Um, also, something else that's very important in hoodoo is reciting the Psalms from the Bible because it's considered extremely magically effective. The Bible is more considered a talisman and a primary source for magical law. Harmful hoodoo will consist of performing jinxes, tricks and crossing. Curative magic is also in hoodoo to counteract. So there's such as like the uncrossing, the breaking of a jinx, the reversing of a jinx, the reversing of an X, turning a trick you know, which means sending it back to where it came. Voodoo is completely separate from hoodoo. However, the practice say that the traditions of hoodoo can be found rooted in voodoo. This is what shaped hoodoo to what it is. Because voodoo is very sort of religious. But if we take Christianity that tried to outdo it all and we put the magical workings of voodoo with Christianity, we may come up with hoodoo. It's just one possible idea. So looking at the tradition at hoodoo in this way that I was learnt, hoodoo 
is more than likely seen as a corruption word of voodoo, but that's speculation, actually. It's not fact. And it seems unlikely, but some still say so, even though it's very unlikely that's where it came from. If you take the voodoo doll, and of course it is widely known as this, it's actually more the hoodoo doll. Because these dolls were more traditionally main feature of hoodoo more than they were voodoo. Remember, voodoo is a religion and hoodoo is a magical system following. Very, very different. The word voodoo means spirit of God. The existence of God is accepted and only one God. Below God, there are some other powerful spirits. They're referred to as the Loe, or Loa, it depends how you pronounce it, or the Lo. Um, they're responsible for, like, everyday activities. So they're similar to our angels, you know. Um, they act as intermediates between creator and people. Voodoo, though, is actually more about healing than anything else. I know that there's much speculation on that as well, isn't there? Like, um... If you sort of read everything and, and what's out there, I know that there's a lot that sort of act that it's really bad and it's actually not, you know, not as bad as what you think. So in voodoo, you will use the lowers, you'll petition, petition them to work in rituals and spell work. And it's, voodoo is very complex and it's organised in its belief system, very organised. Voodoo itself originated in Haiti via the European slave trade as more than 1,000, well, sorry, no, let's be, re be real, more than 15,000 African slaves of different ethnic groups that spoke different languages with so many different beliefs, you know, they brought them all in. This mixing is what led to the development of voodoo. It is important to note this part can be triggering and upsetting for some viewers. If you wish not to listen to any further, please turn back now and turn it off. Slaves were beaten, tortured and starved, sometimes worked to the point of death. They were separated from family, given new names, and the idea was to try and take away the community sense they had of their very lives, stripping them from the roots of their own existence. Voodoo was kept alive as a link to the lost homes in Africa, and practised only in secret. The Black Code, as it was called, or the Code of Noir, in 1685, made it illegal for slaves to congregate in large numbers without supervision, preventing the practices of their beliefs. How disgusting is that, guys? The Black Code also made any religion apart from Catholicism illegally, completely. And voodoo was considered bad and evil and even satanic to some. Voodooists adapted their veneration of the lower by identifying them with many saints in the Catholic religion. This enabled them to continue practising their beliefs. So take Dambala of the Divine Snake God. That was the representation of tranquility, harmony. Well, this God was likened to St. Patrick, who was responsible for driving snakes out of Ireland. The Virgin Mary was identified as Azuli, the lower of love, the sexual self and beauty. Voodoo did not survive in its purest form from the United States. It's very important, partly due to American Christianity that dominated you know, the area and it did not condone the veneration of idols and recognises only two of the seven Catholic sacraments. It also did not survive in its purest form because slaves were often then born 
obviously over here, and the African roots and traditions were simply lost through time. But this is how America ended up with an altered version of voodoo and not its original form. The original form may be long lost, I'm afraid. If we look at early hoodoo origins, it played a part that was vital in the role of development of the cultural and ethnic identities of slaves. The practice of traditional African religions largely disappeared during the, I think it was colonial period, but spiritual practices were retained in traditions like hoodoo. Hoodoo provided a practice of control as well as means of comfort, and it existed along the side of Christianity. Hoodoo conjurers were considered very powerful due to their abilities of being able to hex and heal. Traditional African religions had largely been stamped out amongst slaves due to the treatment they received. The practices relating to the manipulations of energy to promote balance and harmony. Obviously, that's what it's all about. As hoodoo developed, um, as previously mentioned, it adapted to many elements. Moses, Jesus, the devil and God were all identified as great conjurers. Due to the abilities they had to change and affect materials through supernatural means. Hoodoo allowed slaves to assert some control over their environment and it played a role in the slaves' escape. That's very important. Root workers were often cited as facilitators. Common belief was that hoodoo doctors could hoodoo dogs who would go after slaves, causing them to stop and bark at trees that were empty or just completely would go the wrong way, enabling them to escape. Any hoodoo doctors on slave plantations were held in high esteem. They were turned to for solutions, help with problems. These abilities were said to come from African origins and markers indicating they were powerful such as green eyes, being the seventh child of a seventh child. The existence of ghosts and spirits persisted as part of hoodoo and graves would be decorated to prevent hauntings and appease ancestors. The return of ancestral spirits was to provide help and advice, but of course evil and good spirits also existed then as they do now. Basically, if they were evil in life, they will be evil in death. They won't change, they will still be the same person. Hoodoo doctors were favoured over other medicinal practitioners and hoodoo women acted as practitioners, healers and midwives. They were very powerful figures within hoodoo and any community. Many aspects of hoodoo can be traced back to Africa and it is a tradition that great reverence is paid to ancestors. This has become adapted in many beliefs just in different ways. The living require protection and guidance from their ancestors, while the ancestors need their memories kept alive and their souls fed through rituals and ceremonies. This is a worship that works both ways. You know, you, you receive, you give, you get, basically. In contemporary hoodoo circles, ancestor refers to anyone, absolutely anyone who died because apparently we are all connected, so all is one. Some say... It's only bloodline. It really is a personal choice that when, when regarding ancestors, it is a very personal choice, you know. The fact hoodoo emphasises on ancestral and spiritual guidance is more often cited as proof of the theory that hoodoo derives from West Africa sources filtered through New Orleans. However, it's not just hoodoo. Many African religions venerate their ancestors. The African deities known as um, Numba, and Nala, Ilegwa, 
uh, Legba or Ishnu. Um, recognize, like Eshnu, for example, these are all deities from African religions, and Eshnu is recognized as a trickster that you can meet at the crossroads and opener of the way, and is often confused with the Christian devil, but they are completely different things altogether, just so you know. Magical customs you will find in hoodoo are jinxing, hot footing, foot trap magic, crossing and uncrossing magic, crossroads magic, which con that contains the remnants of beliefs of the i think if i'm right congo and yoruba fon and the U people the oldest form of divination comes from hoodoo the casting of bones was not voodoo it came from hoodoo um but obviously today it's rarely used um they did turn to chicken and possum bones but ancestral bones are no longer used obviously because it's illegal to uh take bones from the grave as you know, very illegal. The mojo hand can be associated with the Afro-Caribbean wanga or anger, used in obeya magic, and it's adapted to be included in hoodoo. African practices, such as the use of hot and spicy foods to produce love, get control of a person or situation, and bring compliance from those who eat it, are also from hoodoo and are used still today in many, many traditions. So as you can see, most hoodoo has African roots, and it's just been adapted to fit the needs of today. Hoodoo can be used to help, but it can also be used to harm. It's spiritual energy, so it's seen as neutral, and it's the decision of the practitioner to decide the end result. That's important. African philosopher and theologian do not view evil as extreme and horrible as Western philosophy does. Evil is seen as a relative term, for referring to how an act or action affects a person. In hoodoo, the no harm rule does not apply. To hear such things as she fixed him means that the intent will have been to harm or manipulate the person. The practice of hoodoo consists of using oils for magical purposes, roots and minerals, animal parts, personal possessions, bodily fluids, foot track and footprint magic, consists of occult materials to be stepped on. Also working with such things like footprints, socks, shoes, because it has an affecting magical link. Crossing, where a person's path will be crossed with a mark, usually drawn in dust or laid with herbs or powders. It is believed that the hurt enters the person through the feet when they walk over the area. Crossroad magic is a place where two roads cross where magical items can be disposed of and others can be called upon. Mojo bags, which are flannel bags filled with ingredients, usually carried on the person placed in the area that they are needed to do their work. Dolls are also used quite a lot in hoodoo. The hoodoo doll we will get into in another episode. But um, what I'm trying to state here is that listen to all that that comes from hoodoo and went into voodoo, and it now is found in all these practices today. You know, we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? And I think I'm going to leave this episode here. I don't want to make them too long. Um, the idea is I want you to be able to listen to them and not take all day to actually listen to them as well. But when we come back, we will be looking at New Orleans and voodoo. And we all know the voodoo queen, I'm sure, from New Orleans. Um, I know I do. If not, trust me, it's very interesting. 
And I want to thank you all for listening and please understand that this is done with much respect to every culture out there. I mean no harm, no disrespect. But I really wanted to put some truth out there because we have a lot to be grateful for from other traditions and cultures. They are so they've become so important to us now if we understand now um the followings, the paths which we take, just look at all the root you've root you know where it comes from. We have a lot to be grateful for. Thank you for listening and many, many blessings. Hi guys, welcome back to my channel. I apologise if you can hear the wind outside. It's very windy today, very windy. And viewer discretion is advised. Some topics may upset people in this hoodoo selection that I will be doing. I am doing it with the utmost respect and mean no disrespect. I am just learning people what I know. So we finished off where we're on to the New Orleans voodoo. And I do want to get into Marie Laveau, but we will get into that later. I think she deserves more credit and more time than just a simple episode. In the 19th century, though, New Orleans voodoo which I believe it was also known as Creole Voodoo, um, evolved to embrace the aspects of spiritualism. It will take aspects from European and African folklore with Kabbalistic influences. That's where it takes the bits from Hoodoo as well, basically. Native American herbalism, it took from that, Jewish uh, mysticism. And it was also brought into Voodoo, I believe, the would be sigils and seals that weren't there before that they were brought in. And that's how hoodoo became linked with voodoo. Because the true nature of voodoo simply changed a lot through time, using other spiritual paths to combine them all. So hoodoo has been around a very long time. It's just that in the 19th century, Voodoo erupted into something quite big and it took on all the aspects of the other spiritual paths and brought them all together. I think, to be fair, a lot of them do that now anyway. If we look at New Orleans voodoo, it involves group worship, ceremonial practices. Voodoo can be just individual. Voodoo also involves the worship and veneration of the African I think it's the Haitian dieters as well. And hoodoo does not take influence from outside energies to provide aid in everyday life. What that means is, you in hoodoo you will petition for help, whereas in voodoo it's a must. Like, you don't have to in hoodoo, but in voodoo it's a must, you must do. In hoodoo it's a choice, whether you do that or not. You can do it for support and look. Um, you can do it to benefit you, to benefit someone else. The lines in hoodoo can become very fuzzy because it includes the darker side and the lighter side. Marie Laveau, 19th century famous voodoo queen, was born in 1801 in New Orleans and was identified as a devoted Catholic. However, she's still participated in voodoo. She was famed, listen this, for her hoodoo charms for the sick and was said to have performed 
charms of protection to aid escaped slaves. She also worked as a nurse and is credited for saving the lives of people afflicted with yellow fever and such things. Many people say she had the power to appear in more than one place at a single time. She could control court cases. However, her her power was based on fear. And there was a belief that she practiced cannibalism and even child sacrifice. There are stories of her making charms for good luck and casting spells of disease, breaking up relationships and healing others. Please note, this could be speculation only, but we'll get into it later. But it could just literally be people talk, the story goes forward, Chinese whispers, that sort of deal. During the late 19th century and early 20th century, many of the best root workers became nationally known and people travelled hundreds of miles to consult. They really did. Dr Buzzard of South Carolina, um, then there's Aunt Carolina of Newport, Arkansas and the Seven Sisters of New Orleans were famous people of voodoo and the latter two were celebrated in blues songs. In modern times, after the Civil War, many freed slaves began to distance themselves from voodoo. It had indeed now been bent and twisted to be bad spellcasting rather than a religion, as talks does put a bad stigma on voodoo. This pushed voodoo underground, where it now became known as what we know it as, that's hoodoo. So basically it was hoodoo. And what happened was, we took all these other things and put them all together along with voodoo and just called it all hoodoo. So hoodoo's always been there in its original form. It just got mixed up and then became voodoo and then went back to hoodoo, which is really strange. Then it became more commercialised. There were spiritual shops across the southern United States. It could be often found in like record shops and gas stations back in the day, which I know sounds bizarre now, but it could. The spiritual industry bought, um, they brought along some new products. They were rooted actually in the origins of hoodoo and not voodoo. Um, they brought them forth into the mainstream. Practitioners took on the role of a spiritual healer. These spiritual healers and readers would have been hoodoo workers or voodoo workers. That would have been what they were called. But because of the stigma surrounding the practice, they changed themselves to spiritual healers and readers. Traditional root workers continued to prepare baths, washers, powders, but then it became manufactured, didn't it? And you could just buy them over the counter on a much larger scale meaning that people just became more reliant on manufactured items, which, obviously, that happened today with every craft, really, when you look. You know, you can look at things out there. You can buy pretty much all things manufactured, I do believe. By the 1930s, anything a hoodoo practitioner needed could be found at his spiritual store. These stores expanded beyond New Orleans, and such products are now marketed on the web. Hoodoo is not a New Age practice. It's just that the New Age movement led to an increase of interest, which led to more people becoming aware of hoodoo. In the early 20th century, Jewish chemist 
manufactured cosmetics, household products, adding magical perfumes, candles and incense to their mail order catalogues. Cheap pamphlets on magic from Jewish and German, Christian communities too, were readily available. Hoodoo also incorporates European botanical folklore, along with Native American traditions. European books of magic have been popular with root workers. The use of moon phases in spellcasting and astrological methods used for time in spells, they were derived from Jewish and Christian magical purpose sources. And I find that odd, but it's true. In addition, the reciting of psalms and selected biblical verses were also introduced to spellcasting, such as the Seta for square, and the use of talismans, lucky charms, and they all derive from the very same sources. They all go back to that original practice of hoodoo. The supernatural elements of folklore religion in Europe, um, not ones based on Christianity, because it was sort of influenced too much then by hoodoo beliefs, so it changed things. And some of the things that we can look at are the horseshoes, the rabbit's foot, they were all used for good luck and for tools of protection. Not so much today, I don't think, but they were a really big thing back then. The hoodoo bottle has now been renamed the witch's bottle. It was the hoodoo bottle. You know, and in European spiritual practices, they will call it the witch's bottle, but traditionally it was the hoodoo bottle. The use of brooms for conjuring and ceremonies, that was in hoodoo, it's now in witchcraft. Salt for protection, the practice of covering mirrors, stopping the clock after death, the creation of ritual circles, robes and tools all appear in the grimoires and are all connected to hoodoo, very old hoodoo. Hoodoo has also now expanded to include Asian religious, um, many Asian religions, I think, and cultural imagery, including, I think... Well, well, we'll go with the main one, you know, the, the product names it includes and the formulas derived from various Buddhists from around the world, Taos, and Hindu sources from the late 19th century. Popular hoodoo spiritualists and the suppliers with Asian roots included such things as Chinese wash, um, laughing Buddha statues, as their products sort of became available, and they did sell as well, they sold a lot. Hindu religions during the 1960s led root workers to adapt and work with Hindu deities, such as Ganesh, the elephant-headed god. This just shows how far hoodoo has actually come and the adaptations it has gone through. Hoodoo, more recently, has been a tendency to be considered as a hindrance to the understanding of voodoo. This is not so. Harry Middleton, whose work was published in 1970, to 1978, was one of the first scholars to explore hoodoo culture. Hoodoo is intimately tied to its African-American history. Many contemporary practitioners of hoodoo are fighting against the cultural appropriation of their craft. I'm not sure if you knew that. But yes, what this states, no matter what you practice today, you will find the root of it in hoodoo. Hoodoo will have been called simple conjure. And it will have adapted its name hoodoo as it went along. Voodoo took bits of hoodoo. It went from being called conjure to hoodoo to voodoo back to hoodoo. 
because what happened was voodoo became known as something dark and it wasn't. So they started to involve all the other spiritual practices, everything, all the worldwide ones. You have voodoo. It has no law. It has no rules. And it involves every single spiritual path, including the Bible. That's pretty awesome, I think, because you can see how it's adapted through time and changed, yet its roots are still very much there. Now, I am a rose and thorn. However, hoodoo has been the closest thing that I could find that relates to the practices in which I did. That's why I had to go back to go forward. Because if we look at hoodoo, even though it was probably just conjure or a name similar to that, it's got so much in it. It changed so much through time, it adapted. But the roots are still there for every basic witch out there. That The witchcraft is like, the roots are there. It always had hoodoo bottles. It always had the broom, the circles, the moon phases. Pretty surprising, really, when you think about all the changes and adaptations it's been through and the fact that, unfortunately, if voodoo was a negative craft, which I don't believe it was, it's long gone. Its true origins, have, they've been lost because it was a religion. It was a very particular religion with a, an accurate following and unfortunately, to try and find someone who knows the true, real roots of voodoo, I've not yet. I, I, I'm definitely interested in finding someone who's rooted in it. So it would be, be someone of age, obviously. But yeah, I think it's amazing the adaptations that we have been through. When we come back the next time, we will be doing all about spiritual baths, the different ones that we have in um, Hoodoo, which obviously, as you know, there's baptising now, isn't there? Baptising in Christianity? It was a spiritual bath in Hoodoo. It's kind of the point I'm making. Things have changed. Adaptations have been made on a purpose to blend everything together. Anyway, guys, I'm going to leave this episode here. Thank you for listening. And we shall do Marie Laveau in her own episode because I think she at least deserves that. Many blessings, everyone, and thank you so much for listening. Bye. Hi, guys. Welcome back to my channel. Please subscribe if you like what I do and leave a like because it really helps. We are now on spiritual baths, and this is mainly in hoodoo, but... One thing I can be sure of, the way that it is done in hoodoo is the way that we of a rose and thorn path will do it. It's the same, more or less. It's a very ancient practice anyway, um, spiritual bathing. And even baptising is a form of spiritual cleansing bathing. This is where scrying came from. It started off with just the bathing and eventually it led to scrying and other things. But in hoodoo, it's considered extremely powerful and it's also transformative 
it's a standard treatment by all root workers. It's a standard must if you are doing any kind of ritual, spell, etc. The same with us, the Rose and Thorn Path, it's, it's standard. And it can get confusing because many people assume a spiritual bath is something you lay in. Now, don't get me wrong, I do still have salt baths, Himalayan salt baths, I do. I still use sage, I still smoke, but there's a further step and this is the spiritual cleansing bath. This is different, very different. It is a physical, but it is a spiritual too. It's extremely good for helping with um, any negativity, fatigue, depression, anxiety, fear. It's just a spirit strengthener in, in every way, really. Now, you can charge your own water if you have enough belief in yourself. It really is that simple. It's about energy. It's about charging the water you are going to use in a bowl with the right kind of energy. And if you are adapt enough, you can do this no problem. Of course, you can add herbs, you can add crystals and oils, you can add pretty much anything as long as you have knowledge in it never use oils or herbs without knowledge because they can cause complications and they can cause contraindications i did do some aromatherapy lessons if you're curious go check them out because um essential oils are quite volatile aren't they and people don't realize this and they do not realize that there are many contraindications that come with the pure essential oil. Don't get me wrong, there are commercially based products out there, especially in spiritual shops now and things, but you've got to ask yourself this, is this right for me? Is it personal to me? Because you're buying it as a commercial, commercially based product. I think by making it yourself, it makes it more personal to you and for your use. That being said, again, and I know there's loads of products out there that say contain pure essential oils and we use them every day. I get that. Just know it does say this, but it's that it it's actually the hydrosols that they're using in those products. So it's extremely diluted. It's more of the water that's left from the steaming of the plants, not the oil that you get in the bottles, you know, your 100% pure essential oils, those are the ones that are volatile. You definitely need experience in using them. You should never apply them directly to your skin and you should always properly dilute them. Definitely be very careful. The ones that you buy that are commercial based, whether it be a spiritual product or a hair product, whatever, it does say contains 100% pure, pure essential oils because they are allowed to put this, it's allowed, but it's not. It's usually the hydrosols, which still comes from the plant, but it's extremely diluted, so it's not as dangerous as using the pure oils you get in your small bottles. But it's really important to have knowledge in those oils before you start using them. Although they are good for many, many things, they really are. But you still need to be very careful. If you look at all the citrus oils, don't apply those to your skin. They can cause irritation and they are phototoxic, which means if you go near any heat, it can burn your skin. So that's why we have to be careful.
you can seek out a professional hoodoo person, spiritual person who does these bath waters, who can make one for you or give you the right ingredients. I do that for free all the time. People message me all the time and I do it for free because I enjoy doing it and do not think it's something that you should charge for. But that's my personal opinion. Ideally, we do not put the actual ingredients in the bath and leave them in there. And usually it's a big jug or a big bowl that we use. What we do is you can use a tea bag method, which is muslin cloth. Put your herbs or whatever that you want inside there. Obviously, sew it up and let that steep in the water you will be using or definitely strain the water after 15 minutes of soaking that's important some people do you they do use ingredients that dissolve your salt dissolves so you're okay with this but i'm talking more herbs and barks and roots um resin can sometimes dissolve depending as well but Generally, it's better to use a tea bag method with muslin cloth or to at least strain the water. You can do your cleansing bath sat up, stood up, sorry, sat down. It doesn't matter. It is obviously better to do it naked because we don't want to pour it on our clothes. But it does not require a bath to lay down in. You can do it sat down or stood up. You add your ingredients, you let them steep for 15 minutes in the water, make sure the water's not too hot, obviously. You then strain, or if it's a tea bag that you've made, remove the tea bag. It is then poured over you. Poured over you, and I mean actually over you. If you are getting rid of negativity, or if you've just done a harmful spell, you want to stroke your skin downwards with the water using your hands because we're getting rid of if you are drawing in something like you've done a money spell or a love drawing spell a friendship spell you need to obviously rub your hands on your body upwards to draw in so it's downward strokes to get rid and it's upward strokes to draw in do not dry yourself with a towel or anything. It needs to air dry. This kind of cleansing is done before everything and after everything. So it's the only time we wouldn't do it after something is if we wanted to hold on to the energy of the ritual, the spell. So every time someone does a jinx, a curse or a hex, this cleansing bath will be done. But let's say if we're doing a drawing in spell for money, maybe 24, 48 hours afterwards and it's done, but usually it's done before and after. That way it gets the full effect of what you're doing. And like I say, you can charge it your absolute self. The oils, the herbs, the crystals, they're just added extras. But the power is, is literally, it's within you. Minerals are a big thing that's always used anyway and you know, salt, any salts, Epsom, pre-mixed bath salts are even used, but I do prefer to get Himalayan salt and I do prefer to charge it and crush it as I please. I just get different colours. Baking sodas are used, um, sodium carbonates, cooking baking soda, any type, they're used as well, believe it or not. Um, 
sometimes you have to be careful when you're using such things like berries um, they stain the skin so yeah watch out for that it's not a good thing to do lye is used more in floor washes it's never used in a in a bath or a spiritual wash it's always used in the floor but remember anything you use on your body can be used on the floor but what you use on the floor and your windows and doors cannot be used on your body they're two separate things don't get them mixed up um crystalline copper sulfate used to be used in very old recipes don't use it it's very toxic very toxic um there was a lot of uh, sour and bitter things used as well believe it or not in the older spiritual baths but again these can be quite toxic unless they are dealt with properly so it's really important not to mess with anything that you don't understand the if we go sort of further back and such to the times when they used to use spiritual baths one of the main things they would actually put in this spiritual bath wash whatever you want to call it is um urine and it was the first urine of the morning that we um manan did this i um do not advise you to do it it's not something that's practiced today i don't think very much but it was the first urine of the morning and it was an alternative to ammonia, which again, don't use that, please. You should never use that. Um, these are very old methods, but were considered the most impressive methods of removing things. Vinegar branded colognes were used um, and even toilet waters were used. Again, don't, don't do that. These are old methods. They're not really used today are they turpentine was used as well because usually you would find there were many pine trees around so there was abundance of the turpentine from the pine trees don't do that either it's not good for your skin it's, it's just not good just don't those are the very old methods whiskey and alcohol is used now um and also for washing your doors your windows and your floors turpentine's really good for cleansing anything that's in sort of pine or lemongrass lemon lime for floors and doors and windows yes for your skin no not for your skin Um, go with something less drastic i would say and again essential oils stick to the safety that you know seek a professional's advice before messing with them they are volatile and they can cause many contraindications um, especially if you're on medication already like I say if you go to my aromatherapy lessons it's all in there so you, you'd be able to understand a bit more because we have a top a middle and a base note and there's only so many drops allowed to so many drops of carrier oil so it's really important that you know what you're doing almost any herb can be used in your spiritual cleansing and we call it a bath even though it's poured over us Really, it's more of a shower, isn't it, when you think about it? But it's still called a bath regardless. So things that you would find being used, and, and it's the same for us, the rose and thorn, that's what I'm saying. It's very much the same in hoodoo as what it is for us. Apples for drawing in love, berries for gaining vibrant energy, 
bark from any trees for grounding, broom straw for spiritual cleansing, but it's also very good, I think, for window wash and floor wash to get rid of sort of any spirits you don't want hanging about. Basil for gaining prosperity, but also is very good for focus. Brandy is for a spiritual cleanse, but it's also a very good way of contacting our ancestors. Any type of alcohol is very much used to contact ancestors with. They seem, it's something that goes way back, as I was saying, that to appease spirits, they do like strong, good alcohol. It's just a belief that we have, and it's been around generations. Carrot juice, but make sure it's well diluted. But this will help you see into other realms. Cinnamon. It can be used to draw money to yourself, but also to a building. So remember, what I tell you is not just about using it on you. It's about using it as a whole on the premises as well. You can do either. Coriander. This aids connection to plants and other herbs and helps you improve your knowledge. Coconut milk or hole is for love drawing. Eucalyptus will break jinxes and drive away evil. Elder tree is used only in floor washers. This keeps away any negative forces. Eggs draw out any negative energy and we'll get into eggs later on because there's various ways of doing this uh, method. Dirt is for grounding and earth connection. Daffodil and daisies will invite new friendships or help keep existing ones. Frankincense, protection and cleansing and spiritual enlightenment. Five finger grass for a room wash will help invite in your ancestors and aid spiritual communication. Ginger is for passion. Um, it eats up situations. It invokes passion. High sop is toxic. It is a cleanser from sin, but you should only use it if you know what you're doing. It is something that we use after we have done a bad spell, a trick or a curse or a jinx. And we will use it with two white candles and Psalm 51 after performing negative spells. There's a reason for that and it's a good one. We'll get into that later. Hand is cleansing of any area which you wish to cleanse. Lavender is actually used more commonly for love. Draws in love. Yes, it restores calm to a property or an area if you're using it on the floor or windows. But usually we use it for drawing in love. Lemon is cleansing and lemongrass is also a spiritual cleanser of, cleanser of the building or area. Lovage is for protection and cleansing of a property. Lodestones, drawing or repelling anything with the right ingredients and spell work. We will get into that later. Neroli is used with other herbs and it's only used in beauty spells. Nutmeg will bring about good luck in a property, if you use it in a property that is, obviously. But you can use it on yourself to bring in money. Patchouli is for protection. Pear is a love drawer. Pine needles removes negative thoughts and brings about mental clarity. Better used in the room than on yourself. Oak bark is a spiritual cleanser and it's great for aiding health issues. Orange will revitalise and bring in energy, as we know. Red pepper protects from envious people and from enemies. Red wine is for ancestral summoning, but it can also draw in love from a spirit, not a person. Rose petals is used with love spells, love drawing, obviously. Rue cleanses from sin. It's used the same way as high soap, so be careful. That's what my floor cleanser and my door and windows are. 
they're all made from this kind of stuff to keep, well, try and keep negative out, I guess. Rosemary is for feminine power and fertility. Sassafras is a love drawing, it's a health healing. Salt, usually crystal or natural salt, is a cleanser no matter what. Sugar will draw in luck to yourself or to a building, but it's also used to sweeten up spells, which means it's used in food and given to people to sweeten them up, apparently. Time is focus and mental clarity. Over over is a cleanser and a protector of a property, not on your body. Woohoo root bark for uncrossing and to remove jinxes. Know what you're doing before you use it. Walnut will break a love obsession and will make a couple fall out of love or someone fall out of love with you. You will draw love, but it also brings about happy times and celebrations. And those are the very basics. So you can use those however wish, you, know, you wish to use them if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, like I said, seek professional advice. Never just start dabbling with things. It can cause serious health issues. Always seek professional advice first, please. So remember, pick whichever ones you want to use. You need your hot water. Now, we do tend to use natural spring water, so if we can get to a stream, that's even better. If not, at least mountain-type water, you know, the sterile water, not tap water. We don't use that. Uh, people do boil their water and use it that way. You can do that if you choose. It's actually better for the infusion of the oils. Um, but never pour hot water over yourself. The idea is you've got to leave it to soak for at least 15 minutes before you strain it. If you're using the tea bag method, pop the tea bag in your bowl and then pour the water over it, let it steep for 15 minutes. Um, if you're getting in a bath though, an actual soaking bath, some people will do this with rose petals in and things, and that's okay. You've just got to be very cautious and very careful in the way that you use the ingredients because anything can be bad if it's overused. Um, anything can be bad if you don't understand what you're doing. So that's why I'm so careful when I tell people, yes, you can do it, absolutely, of course, but it's one of those things where I prefer people to have knowledge before they mess and that's just me because it can cause a lot of stuff to happen to your body obviously you do not want to pour the red hot water on yourself so wait for it to cool and then you can pour it over yourself remember you are the power yes you can add herbs you can add crystals you can add whatever you like but the power's within you you need to charge that water by holding your hands over the water and charging it with your exact intention. That is where the magic is. The power is within you. You add the power to it. The others is just something to aid in that power. So remember that. It's important. Everybody's got it within them. And it's something that we can find within us, you know. Thank you for listening. I am going to leave that here and we will continue next time where I will tell you how we dispose of this water and the other sort of methods available. Um, it can get a bit interesting when we get to tricks and the eggs and bodily fluid. 
but again I don't want to leave the episodes too long so that's why I'm ending it here next time we'll go to preparation disposal and timing just in case you want to try this at home with safe ingredients or just plain water use plain water if that's what you feel comfortable with remember charge it yourself and just use water if nothing else it's fine that way thank you for listening and many blessings hi guys welcome back to hoodoo after i have done the full hoodoo i will be doing marie Laveau, who is the voodoo queen of new orleans but not until we finished this so now we are on preparation and disposal, timing, etc. So we're going to look at the method of disposing the water that's left and preparation of the herbs or fresh flowers that we will use. Ideally, what you do need to do is, with any sort of fresh petals or fresh herbs, they need to be torn gently and rubbed into your palms. Then place in cool water and let them soak at least for 15 minutes. You can add them to hot water, but if you're adding to hot water, remember, wait till it's cool before you strain and use. The water usually takes on this green tint. This is what we call blood of plants, blood of herbs or flowers depending on the colour as well because with petals you could get a different colour. Not everybody does this, the straining part, but if you want to strain it then use whatever you have handy to strain out any petals, leaves, bits and bobs. You don't have to, not everybody does, but it can be important sometimes. This green tinted water on its own because it is the blood of the herb flowers whatever we are using it revitalizes and refreshes all it comes in contact with that's even before you put whatever magical aspect you want into it if you do feel that the mixture may not be strong enough for what you need repeat the process until you think it is good enough remember this is personal to you so it's important that you feel it's right if you're using roots, nuts, beans or bark from a tree, boil them for 30 minutes in a cast iron pot. No other pot should be used. It does need to be cast iron, I'm afraid. That's why I still have my old cast iron pots. This is the reason, obviously. Um, it's something that we've always done. I mean... Using normal ones for a start, you're going to stain them and ruin them and you won't be able to cook with them. So keep them separate from your normal ones. This water will turn brown. This is about grounding and connecting to nature. So before we've even put our spell casting into it, we already have something that's perfect for connecting us back to the earth and grounding us. When using essential oils, it's very, very important. It's three drops to 30 and 40 ml of carrier oil. 
no more than seven drops to an ounce of carrier oil. Then a small amount will go in the water, however. Oil and water do not mix. It is done by either first putting the carrier oil with the essential oil into milk, then placing that in the water, or putting the carrier oil with the essential oil into vodka and then putting that in the water. I use milk because if you just put the oil to the water, it's not going to mix. You can use coconut milk too. That's excellent. This will help the mixing process. Then you can use the wash. However, but obviously, please check that the oils you are using are safe and seek professional advice where needed. You have to be very, very careful with these pure essential oils. I know I repeat myself every time, but it's really important. So as we've discussed, it can't come from tap water. It should be a natural flow of water. A stream, you know, well, a spring, even rainwater that you collect. I use rainwater. I prefer rainwater when I'm doing this. I don't know why. I just think it feels so much better. It always has, like when it's raining as well. I love being out in the rain. If you use tap water, it's sort of said that it doesn't do the job right, so to speak. Now, water that you can find from a well is meant to be some of the best water if you do have a well nearby. That, that, the kind of water for that is perfect for spiritual bathing, cleansing. It's really good. So, as I've said... The water is poured over you from neck down and with your hands stroke your body downwards to get rid or if you're attracting start from your feet and upwards to attract things in. While you're doing this what you choose to do is, is, is completely your choice. You can pray, you can recite a psalm you can recite a poem, you can sing, it's very personal. To soak in a bath is more a luxury ritual to do before love spells are performed, but not used in cleansing or drawing in things, generally only used in love spells. That does not mean you cannot take a salt bath before you do your spiritual cleansing, it's just you would find that Back then, the bathing was more of a, um, it was very a luxury thing. It wasn't something that was readily available. Using spiritual soaps is a very good idea to help strengthen it. But of course, be very careful about what you're buying. If you make it yourself, again, be very careful with your ingredients. A popular way of doing this is to stand up in a bath while reciting a petition a prayer, a psalm, a song, whatever you choose. Candles are very commonly used around the bath, usually white, placed either side of where you will wash. So as you walk in, you will walk through the middle of two candles. Right dead centre, that's before you start to wash. Usually people do sit or stand in a bath because the water's going down, so obviously they need to get rid of that water the same time 
it needs to go somewhere, if you get what I mean. We don't want to just do it on his rug, do we? That would, that would not be good for his rug. So generally, it's done in a bath with a plug-in. You'll see why in a minute. But yes, two white candles if you're using any. And then they need to be placed so that when you... For example, if you're stepping into a bath, you would have one at one side of the bath, one at the other side. So as you step into the bath, you're going middle of the candles that are lit. That's the idea. But you do not have to do that part. It's kind of an extra bit, you know. Now, after you've done this, it's very important to air dry. Towel drying, it removes the ritual that you've just performed. There's no point. Another way of actually empowering this is to powder the body or dusting the body. And this is generally talcum powder mixed with herbs. Herbs that you know are safe, dry, and you've done it yourself and you know that you can use them. Again, it's the same. You stroke down to get rid, you stroke up with a brush to attract. But remember, please have knowledge on what you're using first. Don't just put things on yourself without knowing. It can cause some really bad side effects. Plus, it can be really bad if you're already on medication, so always check first. Dress in a clean and colour-appropriate clothes after you are dry and dusted. Remember, there's many commercial things that you can buy, but again, make sure that you understand, is this personal to you? Is this going to work for what you want it to? Generally, the reason it's done in a bath or stood in a, even a tin bath, because I remember doing it in those, you then need to collect some of that water. There's going to be wastage, but they don't, like, there doesn't need to be wastage. There's going to be, I suppose, with most, but there doesn't need to be. So the water that you've used, you can collect it back up. If it's to get rid of negative energies or anything that you're getting rid of, and it's not going to be reused, if you've done a bad spell and such, then obviously the water must go. Dispose of this water by throwing it at a tree. The tree will soak away all the bad energy. This is not just any tree. This should be a tree that you are used to. It should be an area you are used to. It should be a tree you have gifted and built a connection with. If you do not have such a tree, go to a crossroads and throw it at the crossroads. Modern day, I've adapted to flushing it down the toilet as a sign of flushing it away. Um, even sometimes just letting it go down the plug hole and having it taken away. I prefer the old methods, though, the tree or the crossroads. Just dispose of it there because it's to get rid of. We don't need to keep it. It's, it's definitely not important. If it's a bath a wash, a cleansing wash, floor wash, to invite in something like a drawing-in spell, you can dispose of this water in your garden, dispose of it to the east, to attract more of what's needed. Some people will recite a prayer of Passam as they are pouring it to the east in your garden. Another method of getting rid of water when it's been used for negative purposes is to stand in your garden at the front, not the back. Make sure your back is turned to the sunrise and throw the water over your left shoulder. Do not look back. 
walk away in complete silence. Now, I'm sure you've heard the saying to throw the salt over your shoulder. It was never the salt. It was always the water from the bath. That's where that's from. Just so you know, that's just something that came later on with time, <laughs> which is kind of silly, but yeah. You can use spiritual bath water for washing away your own foot tracks if needed. Never leave your foot tracks behind, remember. Foot track magic is one of the oldest ways of doing magic. Don't leave your foot track anywhere. That's my best advice. In modern times, people usually don't see things the same or do things the same. I still do. I can't help it. Um, it's the way I am. I prefer the old methods, I guess. Timing. These, this Timing, obviously, when doing a spiritual bath. Well, that's kind of personal, depending on what you want. There's no wrong. There's no right way, you know. But spiritual bathing is more commonly done at sunrise, yet many will do it under the full moon. I call that lunar bathing. But it was just used for washing, cleansing at one point. But most of the time it's done at sunrise. Monthly bathing is usually the method to get rid of the old month and create a new one ahead. It's always performed on the same day every month for at least three months in a row before you have a break. It's usually taken within three to seven days of the month. Many root workers will take a cleansing wash after their period, as it is a shedding ritual. That I understand. The days of the week in Hoodoo um, are more or less the same as you will see in many other paths. So they will represent what we know today, even though they go back generations. Sunday, the sun. This is for wealth, confidence, charisma, simplicity. Answer to life problems, clarity, vitality, popularity, health, recognition, new projects, active changes, the beginning of a change and any aspect of your life that needs renewing or changing or if you feel like you need to draw in something new. That's for Sundays. Monday, the moon. Family, fertility, love, attraction and children. Domestic problems and creation of domestic bliss. Women's issues, creativity within women, intuition and dreams. Tuesday, Mars, aggression, to cause or relieve strife. Reverse or give hexes. Cultivate to your own personal strength, lust, passion, desire, sexual desires and to face a challenge, to prevail in fights and difficult situations that you are faced with. Wednesday is Mercury. Communication, travel, increase alertness to prosper in a business, gambling luck to distract or mislead, deal with loss and debt, and to aid in being more cunning. Thursday is Jupiter. Religious and spiritual matters to be dealt with. Protection, justice, luck, increase of power, health, prosperity and success. To gain authority over a situation and to bring in future success. Friday is for Venus. 
artistic ventures, reconciliation, self-love, sympathy and empathy, pleasure within yourself, love, beauty, money, friendship and luck. Saturday is Saturn. The cultivation of wisdom, become more patient, communicate with ancestors, deities, spirits of any kind, overcome addictions, grief, unhealthy bonds, sever cords attached by unhealthy bonds, deal with past events you have not faced, this is a great day for binding and banishing. Many practices also follow the moon phases as you know. You can install apps and things now about moon phases. It's all over the web. I mean, you can find it any way possible. It's all out there. The easiest way to remember the moon is the waning moon says goodbye to anything you wish. Let's go of old and rid of the things we will not miss. So the waning moon removes things and lets things go. Waning says goodbye. That's what we mean. It lets things go. Some people also call this working during the darkening moon. I do not, but some people do. Waxing moon can bring us lots. Look, prosperity and love. It lets things stick and stay that bring us anything good. Waxing moon can bring us lots. So the waxing moon is to bring in. It's the best for drawing things towards us, increasing things in our life. It's known as working during the lightning part of the moon. I don't use it like that, but it has been known. A few other ways is obviously spraying yourself. This can also help you get to your get your desired ending, I suppose, or it can just strengthen it to using spray bottles. You can make your own. We'll get into those later. Those are hydrosols. They're a little bit different, um, but they are pretty easy. And because you're only spraying them, you can actually spray them above your clothes or in a hair area or anything like that. Rubbing is another form of magic used. You would have to pray or petition whatever you do over alcohol and a herbal mixture. So this mixture will have your herbs and it will be mixed in with alcohol. You'll rub yourself down with this mix while reciting a psalm, a prayer, a petition, whatever you use. It's generally used more to get rid of than to bring in this one. And the brushing is done with dried wings of a black hen or black hen feathers made into a fan. Sweep downwards to get rid of all the energy using the feathers. This is also the best way of sorting yourself out when you've done a jinx, a hex, a curse. You can use a black candle to rid negativity too by wiping it down your body and stating your needs to have the bad go into the unlit black candle. Once this is done, you can petition what you need to, then obviously light the candle and have it returned to the sender. This is usually done in jinxes and hexes. So it's done to sort of return it back to whom it belongs. Spiritual baths, obviously, can also be used for washing buildings, floors, drawers, anything. Your altar, door frames, windowsills, 
It will just help keep unwanted visitors away or draw in what you want. Wash outwards when you're getting rid of energy in an area. So even the windows and doors. Leave the front door until last and then chuck the remaining water out of that front door. You can spray furniture and carpets. You can brush in an outward motion to get rid. To draw in things to the area, you need to wash inwards. So you'd have to start to the front door so that you're drawing in the building. The disposal of materials like herb, roots and powders, they're different to water disposal. Deploying is a word used to describe where you are placing your ingredients. This is known as lying down a trick, tricking or throwing down for someone. The deployment in all cases of this kind of spell work is placed across the path of the person it is intended for. Then walking away without looking back, this is thought to hinder the trick if you look back, so never look back. Hoodoo is a form of natural magical workings and the ingredients themselves are seen as magical enough with no need for consecrating items at all. The disposal, though, should be done correctly. With deployment, you are starting a spell. Disposal is bringing the spell to a desired conclusion. The method for disposal depends on the, spe the spell work, as we've just discussed. The throwing it against tree, crossroads, such and such. Materials can be placed in people's homes, cars, across their path, when it is targeted for them in particular. If it's for yourself, obviously you can carry a mojo bag, um, carry it wherever you need, on you at all times. You can place it in your home, such as you would put dream spells in your pillow. It's all very personal and very direct to you. Healing is an important one. That one needs to remain in contact with your skin or the person it's intended to heal. It must touch the skin for the spell to work. Graveyard disposal is common where endings are needed sort of fast, I guess, final results. Buried mater materials in the graveyard signifies death or the present situation, like a relationship, for example, and allows you to make way for new starts. Burying spell materials is very common practice and usually the items are wrapped in cloth and buried in the earth. The hoodoo bottle can also be buried in the earth. An alternative of placing things around the home when attracting things to the home is to put the materials inside foil, wrap them up well and place them near the entrance or near any windows. Again, this is all personal preference. Never bury negative spells in your own garden. They're usually buried at a graveyard but can be burned or blown into the wind. A negative spell bottle, when dug up, will not break. It does not stop a jinx, a curse or an X. That would require an uncrossing, unXing, or unjinxing spell. And then the items must be burnt away. So do not worry if you've done this and you have buried a hoodoo bottle or hoodoo items to cause curses, hexes, jinxes. Anyone that finds it will just wish that they hadn't, basically. But it's not going to put an end to the spell. As you can see, most of this is very much personal preference. It really is. And to get rid, we're always working out to draw in 
we're always working inwards, which makes sense. Those ideas and patterns there are not shared by everyone. They're only shared by some, some will follow the same patterns. But that's this part finished. It's a little bit longer than expected, but I want to thank you all for listening. I truly appreciate it. The next part that we get to are the tricks, eggs and bodily fluids. Very interesting one. Please don't forget to subscribe if you like my content and leave a like because it really, really helps. Many blessings and thank you for listening. Hi guys, welcome back to my channel. We are now on tricks. Tricks are what we call negative spell casting. In hoodoo, it's just common practice. It's not seen as bad or evil. The same as the rose and thorn path. It's not seen as bad or evil at all. The disposal of tricks is different from other spell work. And it depends on the type of trick that is being cast. Attraction spells can be buried in your garden because you are attracting something positive towards you. Tricks are intended to inflict another person and they should never be buried near your home. It is definitely not a good idea. Bury them in the target's garden if you can. Make something that you can attach it to and give to them. Tricks are designed to be forever or as long lasting as you wish. Even when the item is found, the trick, the hex, the jinx, the curse does not break. Even if it's an item that breaks itself, that just makes it worse for the person. Ritual objects to cause serious harm will be buried at a graveyard. And payments to the spirits of that graveyard will be paid. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't want to be giving out too many secrets. Obviously with modern times comes changes, so there's alternatives now like... Burying materials outside, um, in general, or a piece of land. When it's positive, burying them under carpets and rugs, that's become quite common. Personal preference. It's all personal preference. If you don't want to stick to the old ways, like I do, then it is all personal preference, I guess. Disposing of materials in running water is used in wish and banishing spells. The idea is that the water washes it away. Then whatever is needed will be successful, successful through the element power of that running water. Burning materials will neutralise jinxes or hexes. You can also burn materials for tricks and paper, then sprinkle the ashes near a tree that is close to the person's property. Any paper burned for a trick that should have bad intentions and directed at a person that you wish to inflict. Once it's burnt, sprinkle the ashes as close to the target's property as you can. You can also use attraction methods in the same way by putting it near the person you wish to attract. You can also blow it into the wind, chanting their name. Obviously, the air shall carry it and find them. Any remains that are left over from trick 
well, they just call them tricks, but let's say tricks, spells, hexes, whatever. You know, your candle wax, incense, um, remnants, ashes. They can be disposed at at the middle of a crossroads where cars will run over it. That I do very regularly, just so you know. Attracting good luck can be done by tossing coins in the middle of a crossroads. Alternative methods have been introduced to match modern times. Drawing a cross on the floor indoors and using this the same way. You would use it like you would use a crossroad, but it'd be drawn in your house. It's been used in tricks and even protection spells. Do not advise using that in tricks, only in good stuff, because it, that would not be good for your house. Hiding a trick, um, and the point of its origin, is another way you can perform them. You can place them concealed in trees because they soak up negative energy and this will neutralise the trick. That's for someone who's had a trick done to them, of course. Ritually blessing a potted plant and then placing it inside the soil can also neutralise the jinx. And it's more of a common method these days that people do that. Concealing a spell intended for harming potted plants and then gifting them to the intended person is a method that is also used to conceal it very well and it does ensure it reaches its intended target. That applies to any gift that you give anyone. Any gift. All they have to do is touch it. Boom. It's done. Prepared water materials can be placed or sprinkled in food. And those kind of gifts conceal them too. When it's given in food or drink, this is called working in secret. And it usually is used to keep a partner faithful or gain domination over another. Working in stealth is the term given when spells are hidden in clothing, placed in small mojo bags and sewn into clothing pillowcases, curtains, even mattresses. The possibilities are quite endless depending on the person in which you wish to target. Foot track magic, or I suppose these days it's called footprint magic, but it's foot track, involves the deployment of materials to be stepped on and is based on the African concept that magical influences enter and exit through the soles of our feet. Foot track magic has been documented to cause pain and swelling, persistent bad luck in love and money or life in general. People have also reported mental disturbances, walking and foot issues when afflicted with foot magic. The mental is the most common. They start being attacked at night by unseen forces, um, start seeing things, um, it sends them insane basically, that's probably one of the most common um, the idea is to blend your foot trap magic ingredients into a fine powder, like chalk. And the other is obviously to use a hoodoo bottle, so it's going to be concealed. The powder materials are drawn in a line across or the quincux shape, and the victim will need to walk over it. Fine powders are less obvious, and this is usually called crossing or putting something down as it's intended to harm. You can buy these powders, but you can make them yourself. The base ingredient is rice or cornflour. 
The measurements are never precise, but are just equal parts of whatever ingredient. Red pepper, sulfur, black pepper and chilli powder are the most common ingredients. And the most common method is to draw the powder in wavy lines. A circle with a cross inside it and then spit on it, cursing. When you do this, the spell will activate. When they walk over it, work is complete. You can also gather dirt from footprints and mix them into ingredients, placing them in a bottle. You could even sprinkle them into a person's shoes or socks too. You can also take the dirt from any footprint, mix it with with it's hot powder we call it, and put this into a slip of paper, toss the mix, over your shoulder into running water do not look back this will stop that person from bothering you or ever contacting you again wearing amulets will protect you from tricks or by taking cleansing baths and throwing the water you would have to throw it um, I believe it's left over your shoulder into your own foot tracks will remove a jinx and protect you that's why I say never leave your footprints anywhere. You've no idea what witches can do with this stuff. So in who do as well as in the craft that I know, eggs are very common. They should come from a black hen if possible. Other eggs are alright as long as they're fresh. They've got to be fresh from the chicken. They can't just be bought from the shop. It doesn't work like that. The eggs are used as a way to draw out negative energy from a person. Roll the egg all over the body to draw out the negativity. The egg will soak it up, especially if there's a jinx, hex or a cross placed upon that person. The egg should be room temperature, not chilled. Slow rolling of the egg is done in a downwards motion. So that the last thing that the egg is rolled over, obviously, is going to be the feet. You should be able to feel the egg filling with negative energy and it will become heavier as you're performing the ritual. That's true, it really does. It actually does, because I've done it. Keep a spare egg nearby in case the first one breaks. This has been known to happen too. It just randomly explodes. A bowl of warm water and a towel, because you'll need to clean up the mess, obviously, if you're treating someone else or yourself. The egg, when filled, must then be taken and thrown at a tree or disposed at a crossroad by throwing it in the middle of the crossroads. Eggs were used in other ways too in earlier times. If a murder was committed, an egg would be placed directly in the hand of the victim. This was a belief that if they did this, it would prevent the murderer from getting too far from the victim enabling capture. Bodily fluids have been used in rituals for many generations and in many different spiritual paths. It can be problematic for some people due to the stigma surrounding the use of it. Most people stay away from the use of bodily fluids. If you do use them, it's important to remember. You're going to need to place them on a cloth and use them straight away because they degrade very fast. You can refrigerate them if needed. The best way to keep your bodily fluids, so I'm talking about menstrual blood, blood in general, spit, phlegm, DNA, semen, um, juices of the body, I guess, is what you would call it. 
but the easiest way to keep them fresh for using use a string soak the string in the bodily fluid and then you'd have to cover it up obviously and place it in the fridge that keeps it fresh you can reactivate the fluid then by simply dipping the string in water don't soak it just dip it the string will soak up the fluid and the water's placed onto it and the string will kick it'll just kick back into place um back into life basically because it's dead isn't it it dies um that's a problem because it's a living any bodily fluid is living it's an active cell so to keep it fresh put it on string wrap it refrigerate it to reactivate it dip it in water and you'll bring it back to life and you can then use it that's how you would keep semen for using in spells um it's how you would keep urine it's how you would keep spit pretty much anything really is on string in the fridge menstrual blood has been long used for enticing men single or married men were once told never to accept food or drink from a maiden because she may just feed you her blood binding you to her for the rest of your life it is an african-american hoodoo tradition and by simply adding drops of menstrual blood in a drink and handing it to a man will bring about his lust for you. It's really all that's needed. You can make a person desire and lust you. Bring them to feel attracted to you in a deep way. It's a common ingredient in any love spell. Shemalai is the name given to urine in hoodoo. Traditionally, a female lover would urinate on his mojo um, hand before he would go gambling. Otherwise, the female would make a mojo bag and give it to him in his lucky hand. But the, the very old tradition, the more common one, is the female would just pee on his lucky hand and uh, he would not wipe it off, he'd just let it dry. This is called feeding the mojo. And it's very common in European folklore, just as it was in hoodoo. Men can put their urine in women's drinks, the same way that women do with blood or their semen. And it hinders the same sort of results as menstrual blood would, but it's not as powerful. A man can also cure impotence that has been placed on him by magic with his own urine. He would urinate on a knife and face the knife towards the ground, letting the urine run down the knife to the floor. Semen can be used in love spells, as most other ingredients. It can also be used in a mojo bag and placed under a pillow to control a man or keep him faithful. Nail clippings are common and fingernail clippings are often placed in drinks. Serve to the person you wish to have an old on. For example, a lover you feel is losing interest. That would make a great spell. Toenail clippings are used in spells to ensure you will walk all over the person needed. Again, that can be used for good and bad. Fluids you can use from the body and items such as semen, sweat, spit, blood, urine, unwashed clothing, a person's bath water, a person's handwritten paper note, a cigarette end, photo, a drawing of a person, a business card, or simply the person's name if you are mastered in your arts. You can use one or more of the items and simply put them together regardless remember that's in our path 
it's not classed as bad magic, it's not classed as harmful magic, it's not classed as evil. Magic is magic. The intention is clear. It's the person that's doing the magic that makes the decision. And the way that we are brought up, we are not brought up with a creed, no rules, nothing like this. It's the same as hoodoo. It is what it is. If the universe thinks it's right and justice is being done to this person, trust me, nothing you can do. It will happen. And that's just the way that we do our casting of tricks. We call them tricks. They are, you know, you can call them curses, X's, jinxes, crossing, whatever. It's all the negative side of spells, I guess. But it's done in a way that's deserved. So it's never done to someone who's nice, kind, never hurt you. It's never done to those type of people. It's more of a justice well served, I'd say. Anyway, I'm going to leave that part here, guys. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. When we come back, we'll get on to working with ancestors. Again, if you like this content, then please subscribe and leave a like. It really helps. Many blessings.